There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams, and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big welcome to the Business Elevation Show on Voice America. It's great to be back with you again for yet another week and with yet another fantastic guest. I'm so excited about my conversation today with Molly Harvey. It's going to be really great. And wherever you are in the world, I hope that you are keeping your head up high and keeping it above water and that you're uh, you know, working hard to contribute uh, to a better world through your, your business and uh, and also to all of those that you impact because uh, the ripples that we make uh, in life have a big impact so we don't know the full extent of them um, but they do um so my guest today molly harvey we're going to talk today about making changes and not excuses and i think we're going to get really deep and meaningful today uh, i've uh, known molly actually for a, a number of years but kind of at a, a distance, we've just we've just sort of connected. We've kind of checked in slightly with each other over the years, and 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 it just feels right now that uh, we've hit a point where it's the perfect time for us to meet and spend time. And we had a most wonderful conversation planning this. So I think you're in for something special today. Um, I always recommend with these, maybe as long as you're not driving, um, maybe have a notepad and pen and just take a few notes and have a think of maybe two or three things that you can put in place from this interview that will make a difference to you and to your life and to your work. So making change, make change, not excuses. Now, my guest Molly is a really revered author. She's a speaker. In fact, uh, she has spoken at over 500 leading organizations, uh, which is pretty incredible. Uh, She has authored eight books, and we're going to talk about one specifically today, but I'm sure we might touch on, uh, on on some of the other insights that have come from all the other work that she's been doing. Um, she was also just to just say a good friend of ours, Nikki, um, uh, Nikki, Nikki um, Owen, yeah. Jay Owen, um, introduced us. Um, so thank you, Nikki. I really appreciate that. Um, now, Molly is a change management expert. She's known for her unyielding commitment to helping business innovate and thrive with a combination of deep and meaningful ancient and modern wisdom. Uh, Molly's proven again, time and again that her aptitude for affecting positive change um, has a huge impact. She's worked with some amazing organizations. She's worked with Fortune 500 companies, universities, governmental organizations. She's co-founded the Global Visionary Women's Network and former president of the Professional Speaking Association, and that's a big deal. She's leveraged a platform to empower women and elevate standards in the speaking profession. And today we're going to talk about her book, Make Changes, Not Excuses. And in the book, she distills her extensive experiences and insights into an enlightening guide that encourages both individuals and organizations to face their challenges head on and turn obstacles into opportunities. So uh, just one second. I'm just going to do something before we get right into this interview. I'm going to... Recording in progress. Background. So Molly, it's uh, brilliant to have you here today. Um, How are you? I'm good, Chris, and and uh, I'm honoured to be on the show with you. So thank you, thank you. That's okay. It feels about time, actually. 
<laughs> yeah, I know. All these years, hey, we've been uh, we've been kind of dovetailing. We Is that what you call it? <laughs> but yet, I always say, whenever you do meet, is the right time. So, so there's not been no better time than today. So let's see what will flow. Yeah, absolutely. And and I'm just listening right now to your wonderful Irish accent. Tell us a bit. Where 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 do you live? Where's home? Oh well, I've lived in England for 35 years. However, I was born in Southern Ireland in County Waterford, and. Uh, as people say, I never lost the accent, but I do spend quite a lot of time at home. I go between both. Both are homes. <laughs> <laughs> and you've got you've got plans to live in a few different places, I believe. I do. I, I think right now, I think for many of us on the planet, you know, we're being called to make changes, not excuses, of course, I'm going to say. And, and one of my changes seems to be that I'm going to live a triage life, really, between between. England, Ireland, and Germany, the Alps. So that's just all unfolding as, as I speak to you, you know? So we'll wait and see what happens. <laughs> How exciting. And is that going to be like a, a third, a third, a third, or you? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm just walking into a new future like many of us are on the planet right now. So uh, whatever that new future will be, and it's learning to surrender like never before. Which I think we're all being called to do in business and life. Yeah, yeah. I, I know you. From you know, I think of you as someone who has, you know, a very deep kind of soul, but also endless curiosity. And where did uh, all of this kind of curiosity come from? You started life in Waterford. You, you said, and I did. I did. I grew up in a. I grew up in um, a two thousand five hundred acre estate owned by Lord Delaport Beresford. And no, my father wasn't the Lord. My father worked with the Lord's horses. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, that was my playground until I was seven because I was an only child until I was seven. My mother couldn't carry boys. And uh, actually my brother didn't come along till I was seven. And you know what they always say, give me a child until they're seven and I'll tell you what that child's life will be. So um, I think I lived... I lived among, amongst nature and the sacred on that country estate. And um, yeah, curiosity and wonder, which most children have, but actually it's something all of my life. I have, I have really hope I still attain today. Stay curious about life. Stay in wonder every day that you wake up. You know, we have a very simple saying in Ireland, every day above ground's a good day. You know, so <laughs> every day is a new day. And uh, yeah, so so that was the beginning of my early life. You know, my it was really like a downtown abbey, really. And my mother worked in the in the house in the in the big castle. And um, with children, there's no divides. We don't see no divides. So I played with the current Lord when he was young and and I played with his brothers and all of that. And we played together. And we just did, and it didn't matter who lived in which house, did not matter. So that was my early childhood. My early childhood, I suppose, was surrounded by beauty. It must have been really special. I'm kind of imagining two and a half thousand acres of playground and, and an, an amazing amazing castle, home, country estate to, uh, to experience. But also, I think it must be very interesting to be brought up, you know, and I guess, you know, your family, I guess, quite a, you know, 
humble way, humble in some ways, and to, you know, horses, your mum working in the castle, but also be able to see the potential of what's possible. Absolutely, absolutely. And I think that's where my visioning began. And I've always had a passion for beauty in my life. I can live anywhere. I can live in a caravan, but it's got to be beauty. And that beauty has got to be nature and sacred around me. And um, I mean, it's it's crazy because I say to people, you know, when I was a child, I used to I used to um, I used to know the language of the wind. So tell what what does that mean? Well, the language of the wind is everything has a language, everything has a frequency, everything has an mm. energy in life. And uh, and I would know by the way the wind blew what the mm. wind was saying, what it was warning, what it was saying. And um, I would say I'm actually probably coming back to that again now as my life is coming full circle because I'm actually, um, believe it or not, going to go back and possibly live on the country estate. I'm going to rent a house from next year that I grew up on. As a child, until I was 15, I grew up that I was 15. And then uh, my father died very young and my mother was 36. She was a young widow and we moved to the village. So. Um, so, yeah, I think it gave me the ground and I, I've needed for the rest of this life, if that makes sense. Yeah. yeah. But simplicity, grounded in simplicity. You know, um, my, I was brought up with simple sayings like, there's no pockets in a shroud, forget about your grandeur, worry about the food on the table, feed people, <laughs> you know, very, very simple things. And actually, life doesn't have to be complicated. We complicate it. Mm. You know, I, I always say to people, um, it's in the ordinary that the extraordinary moments live. Mm. Mm. But it's in the ordinary. And yet we're always thinking, oh, the extraordinary or the next best thing or no, whatever. No, the next best thing is now. Just now, me talking to you, that's the next best thing. <laughs> I, I really I really resonate with the, the ordinary. It's something I've said for quite a long time now, particularly having had some health issues last year and back on track. But I, what, I, what I really felt was that we just don't appreciate ordinary enough. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's where the magic lies. Mm. The magic doesn't lie on the outside. We all think it's on the outside. It's no, the magic lies on the inside. Yeah. It's the same as, you know, that what's that quote? Happiness is an inside job. Yeah. You can't find it inside in yourself. You're not going to find it in your next business. You're not going, you're not going to find it in the next person. Yeah. You yeah. can't find it in you. Yeah. And isn't it interesting how, uh, I really noticed this. I had a weekend away with my my brother, uh, walking, and at the and the first day I was really so excited to be just getting go and spend some time with him out in nature up in in Yorkshire. I just went and I sort of meditated a little bit, and I felt really kind of I just had this really good feeling inside, a really good energy about me. And I spoke to so many people that day, just walking out and about, conversations, and it was as though people were attracted in to talk to me because they could feel that energy. Yeah. Uh, and then in you know, other days you feel more stuck, don't you? Yeah, but, absolutely. Because you are deeply connected into nature. Yeah. Because that's where the plug is. And that's what we need to do more as a human race, is connect in, connect deep into the roots of nature, nature and the sacred. You know, get out there in nature, just get out there and walk. Yeah. yeah. And that will empty your head. 
yeah it's, it, it is uh, it is meditative walking isn't it yeah it is it is, uh, it is. Out, brings you back out. everything else yeah. falls away yeah. brings you back into the present moment you know so you do you do you know, some really significant work with leaders and companies and you've got this great reputation but you really combine it you with you know quite mystical sources like um you know your work with indigenous populations uh and you know i know you must uh, you know bring all sorts of profound insight to your clients but how, how does how does this help your clients and are, are they becoming even more receptive to it these days i would say yes so i started um i was approached in 2012 seems so long ago and i remember um it was a holy woman. I was introduced to a holy woman and she was traveling the world and her name was Joyti. She was a yogi. And um, she'd been given a pot of money to go and find the next, um, I think it was eight visionaries across the world. And she was to bring the indigenous with the Westerners and bring us together to build, um, build, I suppose, um, reciprocity in the sacred, build the bridges between the new ways in the world. And um, I met her and I thought, my good, goodness, this must be what it's like meeting the Dalai Lama. And and I I just met her and I thought she was fabulous and everything else. And, uh, you know, and I didn't think anything else until the 13th of October 2012. My life was to change again. And I got a phone call from a lady in Germany, um, Christiane Pedras, saying, um, basically, uh, Joyti thinks you're one of the visionaries. And I said, what? What could I bring? I couldn't bring anything. Well, and I said, why would she think I'm one of the visionaries? Because she thinks you're empty enough. And I remember thinking, oh, I don't know if that's a good thing. Empty enough. Um, but sometimes we have to be empty enough of ourselves. So what do I bring? How do I bring? I bring sometimes from some of my travels, you know, from uh, working with the Lakota to the Kogai etc. I've worked in South Dakota, I've worked in Ecuador, I've worked at the edge of the Himalayas. Um, so some of the things I bring into businesses, I brought in the story of the talking stick. I remember being in Geneva and the Lakotas brought in, put the, the talking stick in the middle of the table. I didn't even know what a talking stick was. Of course, being a Westerner. And as you know, we do what we do best. Sometimes we interrupt and we talk over and under and whatever. And the indigenous in the room were horrified. And in the afternoon, they came in and they put the talking stick in the middle of the table and said, unless we use the talking stick, they were leaving the meeting, the circle. And what a great lesson, because sometimes we can get so enthusiastic about ourselves of what we have to say that we can't wait for the person to shut up what they're going to say. Hmm. So that was lesson one. We're great listeners today, but we don't hear. So I would say that's one of the things I bring to business. It's not enough to just listen. Are you hearing? Are you hearing? Are you hearing the energy of your business right now? Are you hearing the energy of your people right now? Are you hearing the energy and the frequency of where your business is calling you? Where is it growing? Where is it dying? So they're all the things I bring into the business, very much on a on a, a questioning approach. Mm. Very grounded, you know. 
there's there's uh, there's so much that I could uh, I could talk about now in terms of about three things I want to pick you up on um, <laughs> from that, that conversation. Um, I'm a little bit mindful that we we need to talk about making changes, not excuses. Um, however, I was I was taken by that thought about being empty, and I I, I wonder my understanding of being empty is that life is actually empty and meaningless. It's the stories that we we tell um, around uh, in our life, which gives it that meaning. Um, but I also just wonder in terms of being empty, whether you you mean that is actually when you're empty, you're receptive to something bigger than you. Oh, my goodness, you're so powerful. Absolutely. So I heard a saying about a week ago saying that, uh, what does it go like? Hold on, let me think. Nothing in life has meaning except the meaning that we give it. Yes. And that blew me away. Nothing in life has meaning except the meaning that we give it. And being empty enough, being, uh, um, as I understand it in my mind, and this is just my perception, is um, we're empty enough of our own ego because the mind, the ego gets in the way so often with the illusion that actually behind all of that is something bigger and something different. And that probably I would call universal consciousness. Hmm. Have you ever, I remember, I remember many, many years ago um, going to a National Speakers Association in Arizona and we were leaving the airport and we came out and, you know, we're, we're coming out of the airport and, and a huge highway and we were driving along this highway and then out of the corner of my eye, I saw another highway that I'd never seen, but it was there all the time. And sometimes you can think you're living the life you're meant to lead when actually there's another road all the time beside that leading mm. you to that path. Mm. And, and we have to be empty enough and silent enough. And how do you do that? I do that because I, because it's got to be very practical for me. So to me, it's a life of discipline. How you start your day is how you live your day. As my feet touch the floor in the morning, my first, my discipline begins. My first two words are thank you. Yeah. Yeah. How you start your day is how you live your day. And you are never going to be empty enough unless you discipline and teach yourself to cut the outside noise out. Mm. Because have you noticed there's noise everywhere? The world is full of noise. And yet, to be empty enough, you have to build whatever that discipline is for you. My discipline in the early morning is it starts when I wake up, and I wake up and I say, I am blessed. I've done that for years. I don't think about it. It's like brushing my teeth. I get out of bed and I go, thank you. I go downstairs and, I, I'm, and my discipline is very simple. I light a candle. And it's in the frame of that candle that I sit with the candle and my nothingness. Mm. So they're my disciplines. Mm. I like it. <laughs> Yeah, there's something something great about being alone with a candle, isn't there? 
Absolutely. Absolutely. Because you're just alone with that moment and you see all the thoughts then. It's you see, that's most people today they get up and it's it's the alarm and they say, Good morning, Facebook, good morning, LinkedIn, you know, good morning, Snapchat, whatever. And then it just grabs you. No, no, no. I say good morning, silence, good morning, emptiness. Hmm. So Molly, you've um You've written a number of books, but you you chose to write this book, Make Changes, Not Excuses. And I know it's it's got a very powerful introduction. I was almost tempted to get you to read it. And then I realized that actually, you know, since then you've had some more personal tragedy because there was you know, quite a bit of tragedy in there. I wonder if you could share the background to the book and you know why it's so significant to you and maybe Thank people. You. Thank you. Yeah. Make Changes, Not Excuses was something that I was delivering to organizations um, for quite a few years. And then COVID came along. And I, as you know, all our lives stopped. And uh, I just got it down on paper. And I was living with probably the greatest love of this lifetime, which was my soul partner. And, um, and, we were living together and, and for us, COVID was fine because I, little did I know that he was going to pass, you know, two years later. Um, so basically, the first 12 months of COVID was like 12 years of being together, which was very sacred for us. And and we were very different. We were yin and yang. So I'm very right brained. He was very, very detailed orientated. And um, so he did everything. He did the editing, everything on the book. And little did I know that uh, it would come knocking at my door again, that we would be given six months where he would get lung cancer and we'd have six, six months. And then more than ever, make changes, not excuses, you know, became so relevant because um, when you're dying, all our bullshit is irrelevant. And every moment of every day became holy. And then he passed away. And being Irish, in Ireland, what we do is when someone passes over, we then go into a holy year of grief. So then, um, and grief is a very personal journey for people, you know. And then I began, I, I because that really got me to step out of life, step out of ham that hamster wheel like never before. And actually, that brought me into something that is just coming about at the moment, which is called, which is going to be the next book, it's going to be called What Matters Today. And it's how to stop being a busy fool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I never forget, this man was a, a huge CEO across the planet, you know, 45 countries or something. He built, you know, it was a CEO of a huge, huge organization. And I never forget that day that he came back, he'd been told the news. That wasn't good. And he went up to his office upstairs and he opened his diary and he looked at his diary and he said, why have I wasted so many years on filling up this diary? And so much of it is useless. And then I remember the courage of him when he knew he didn't have much time, the courage as he began to pick up the phone to every thing that was in his diary and say, I'm dying. 
I have, I don't know how many months left and I've decided to stop. And I remember standing there and I thought, that takes grit and that takes courage. So when you live from that space every day, I wonder to the listeners out there, would they do what they're currently doing every day? And that also brought me something that's not in the book, that's going to be in the next book. You know, when we set intentions or goals for ourselves and our business, I now set them with three different questions than I ever did before Paul passed away. And I'm going to give the listeners that those questions. Can I give them to yeah, ask them in their own night? So do. the first question is, if you're here now and you're at, at a choice point in your life, like many of us are, well, the first question is, what does your mind want? So that's the busy mind. What does yeah. your mind want to achieve? Yeah. And then the second question is, and it's very different, then take your whole resonance down into your heart and say, but what does my heart and soul want to achieve in this business or in my life? You might get a very different answer. Yeah. And then the third question is, what does my higher calling want to achieve in the business and in my life? And I'll be profoundly vulnerable here with the listeners because I've just redone my questions yesterday and today. So yesterday... Uh, I asked my mind, what did it want to achieve? And I went back to the old reptilian brain and said it wanted to achieve 66,000 uh, in so many days and whatever. And that's great. Money is great energy. I asked my mind this morning, what did it want to achieve when I was in a different space and it said to stay empty? Hmm. Yeah. And yeah, sorry. So so I'm not saying don't set goals for your business. Don't set intentions. Absolutely. But what most of us don't do is we don't let them go. Mm. Because they can be even better than the goals and the intentions and the corporate plan. I've set strategies with, 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 with large organizations for years. The five-year plan, the three-year plan, the two-year plan. Now I'm working with them and saying, well, what's the one week plan? What's the one month plan? Yeah, I think I sort of learned that way as well with, with planning is that if you if you set that intention, you focus on you focus on three years out, something like that in terms of where you're where you're heading all the time. Um, you if you're not careful, you miss out on the opportunities that um flow your way. You don't see them, you don't take the time to have the have the stillness, the quietness, and, and allow things to emerge. Absolutely, and actually, I would even go a stage further and use quantum science and neuroplasticity and all of this great stuff that's happening right now. And I'd say, well, what's stopping us being it now? Be that organization now that you want to be. Be it. Yeah. You know, people say to me, "Oh, tell me about leadership, Molly." I say, "I'll tell you about leadership in one sentence." You be the leader you want everybody else to be. Hmm. And they go, what? I said, if you're not happy with the leadership in the company, well, then you be the leader. You want everybody else to be in the company. See what happens. Yeah. 
It's about beingness over doingness. Yeah. Well, on that note, Molly, we're going to go to commercial break now. And we're going to take take a couple of minutes. And I just encourage everybody to think about those incredible questions. You know, what does your mind want to achieve? And then what does your heart and soul want to achieve? And what does my higher calling want to achieve? I think those questions will take you more than two minutes. Um, but it's a start to get started on them because they're very, very powerful. So um, do join us again in just a couple of minutes and we're going to got lots more for you. Um, this is going to be a, a very deep and profound conversation after the break. I can sense it. So um, look forward to um, speaking to you all again in just a couple of minutes. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Hi, this is Chris Cooper. I'm with Molly Harvey, and we're talking about making changes, not excuses. And in before the break, uh, I think you may have sensed, you know, some real deep, reflective uh, conversation. We're in a really deep mood at the moment, and and I wanted to sort of bring us out of that just for a moment, and then we'll go back into the into the depth. But if we look at the external world right now. You know, it's so it would be so easy to make excuses for our life. You know, it's interest rates, it's government, it's uh, it's uh, conflict around the globe, it's uh, it's um, leaders that are just completely out of touch with what's truly important. Um, it's, it's the environment, and we could make excuses for for where we're at and limit ourselves based upon how we perceive reality. Um, What's your what's your thoughts about that in terms of not allowing these to impact your ability to make personal change? I think take your energy, thoughts, and focus back to yourself and where you can make a difference. Hmm. And just give you an example. Keep it keep it simple. Keep it stupid. As they say, keep it simple. <laughs> so in the day, 
I say to myself, I have it actually here. It's it it'll be it'll be on my laptop. I'll stop myself throughout the day and I'll say, is my energy scattered or focused right now? That takes me right back. Is what I'm doing right now? Yeah. The most important thing I should be doing. Yeah. You know, what matters today? These are the questions. These are the questions. So I question myself all the time. And it brings me back. It brings me back to the moment. Because I certainly cannot make a difference out there, wherever. But what I can, and I say, if I can't, but where can I make a difference? I can make a difference with the people in the organization I'm working with today. I can make a difference to my family. I can make a difference to friends. Where can, where can I make a difference? And that's what I do. And I just bring it right back in, in. And learning to cut the outside noise out. I keep talking about discipline. But I think, I mean, I don't listen to the news but yet I know what's happening in the world because I'll go at a certain time of the day and I'll scan the Apple, you know, and I'll scan the Apple News and I'll just see the headlines. I don't. I don't deliberately get caught up if I can in negative conversations. Because remember, what you give your attention, energy and focus to is what you're becoming. And that takes, that takes discipline, and discipline and responsibility. And um, I'm not saying I get it right all the time. No, I don't. But but I stop and I say, right, what am I running towards today? How am I using my energy today? So I live my life with a very question and approach. And that's what I bring to organizations. Hmm. And if we, if we do, if we don't do what you suggest, I think there's a risk that we become kind of, our thoughts become hyper kind of polarized on, you know, on uh, on the negative um, in the world, uh, and we start to think that that negative is the world, when actually the vast majority of people are actually wonderful people who care about being connected to each other and care about each other and family and togetherness and participation and um, connection. and Yes, yes. And we have a choice every day. Do I go into fear or do I go into, as you said, do I go into the heart? You know, and and, and um, there's a lot of fear out there, and understandably so. I know interest rates going up again, but what are you talking? Are you adding to that fear? And as Charlie Lansborough wrote the song, didn't he? Five fingers. Who are this? You are the sum total of the five people you have coffee with. Who are you having coffee with? Mm. What are the conversations? You know, what are your conversations? Are you pushing back? And saying, how do you know that to be true? If I hear a lot of negative talk going on, I go, that's interesting, but I'll leave it there. I don't have to add to it. Yeah, It's conscious choices. And this is another thing. You know, every day we get conscious choices. And what, what people forget is that every nine seconds, you get a chance to make a new conscious choice. It's 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 interesting. You just brought something up for me, and I apologise if I've mentioned this in a previous interview. I can't remember, but it was fairly recently where um, I helped arrange uh, an annual event for a company, and it was it was a wonderful day. It was uh, it was just just the most amazing day, and with the feedback was just 
phenomenal. People loved it. They felt connected. And uh, we we did some painting, I think I mentioned to you. And But one, one person in the feedback, the feedback was all amazing. But there's one person who just said, look, um, I, I think, um, you know, I think everybody um, feels that um, the money could have been used you know maybe maybe a bit better and put into our pay packets rather than brought together but the interesting thing was that in that and having that like feedback and the, the amazing feedback we had um that person spoke in a, a general way as though it was the opinion of everybody and it absolutely wasn't absolutely. they were actually in the minority and that's the danger we can believe the minority that shout the loudest we can because um because um i think it was david shepherd had a lovely sentence and he said, projection is, is, perception. is perception. Yeah. I know, I know, I know Blew me away. Yeah. Projection is perception. Yes. And and actually, it's good now and again for us to observe ourselves. What are we projecting onto everybody else out there? As, as you said, that was one person projecting. And if you're not careful, you believe everybody thought that. No. 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 And, and 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 that can be the one thought that can destroy somebody else. Um, that can be the one thought that can destroy somebody else. You shared some amazing questions there to help you understand what you really want. Yeah. Um, and, and I love those questions. However, once you get clear about what you really want, and you know, it seems to me it makes huge sense to go into a a quiet space for that and and a, and a calm space maybe after you've watched the candle for a while <laughs> you've taken, taken yeah. your walk in nature yeah yeah however when you start moving forward you you come upon obstacles uh i like to try and see those obstacles as friends because we learn something oh. way but but actually for for most of us and i've been that and for parts of my life is that you can feel fear when those obstacles appear. What's your recommendations about overcoming fear? Oh, goodness, my goodness. Fear has been my greatest friend and my greatest enemy all my life. <laughs> uh, to be honest with you, the only way I have ever got over fear is to walk into it, get the courage to walk into it. And what I have found is that when I walk into that fear, it's like shame. It scuttles away. Does that make sense? It like scuttles away, but it's like the courage to walk into it. And um, and when I'm there and I don't know the next step, I come in with another question. And the question I ask myself is, what would I do right now? If I did know, what would it be? Yes. And yes. And, and I have another thing in the book that I say, small steps every day over time creates remarkable success and i'm a firm believer in tiny steps yeah yeah so less is more instead of having a big smuggers board of 10 intentions have no more than three intentions and then what if every day or even start with one of those intentions and what if every day you were to do one to three tiny steps in the direction of that that you're fearing? Mm. It might be make a phone call. 
It might be mapped out. Whatever it is, because it's in the action. You know, and that's, you have, to, it's the courage to walk through the fear. The other thing that I think I didn't realize because I hadn't done NLP then when I was six and seven years of age, but I realized before I ever studied NLP when I was, you know, my early 30s, that actually as a child, and I must be again grown up in the country estate, I learned, I innately knew how to reframe bad news. I innately knew how to reframe failure and fear. And I would talk to the fear and I would I would talk to the fear or I would talk to the 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 failure and I would say, what's the lesson here? And what's the blessing? Before I knew any of this stuff that now today, of course, you know, but I didn't know. But I'd go, what's the lesson or what's the blessing? I think I started doing that at six and seven and eight years of age. Mm. Because I actually think the answers are actually inside ourselves all the time. But we think we need the next diploma or we think we need the next whatever. When actually, sometimes I think we need to listen to our own inner satnav and let it give us the answers to overcome the obstacles. Yeah. yeah. And overcome the fears. What was it, Chris, years ago? They used to say, what was it? False expectations appearing real was how they used to look at fear isn't it yeah. and then somebody said to, and it wasn't molly harvey but i learned it turn okay. it around and say feeling excited and ready mm. Mm. but you see even that again is is a turn whatever it is that's that you're facing upside down yes and my goodness i have got to i've had to do that so much more than ever since paul passed away because I had to, for number one, I had to learn to live on my own at 56. To my own. And things that would be simple that a man would have done in the house, you know, like, you know, when you're married, you have, when you're together, you have different chores. I didn't have a clue. And I suddenly, but then I thought, what if I did learn? What if I did what did if I what if I did learn to have some of the attention to detail that he had in some of these things? And if I didn't think I ever could it, I'd think, okay, who can help me find somebody who will? Yeah. And that's a great business acumen, because we know that's what really clever people do in business. They know their strengths and then they surround themselves with the people where their strengths are not. Yeah. And yeah. that's how they overcome the obstacles. And that's how you overcome the fear. Yeah. In in, in 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 listening to you, 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 you and the situation obviously with you losing Paul, which I'm I'm very sorry. Um, it's been very challenging. It's I, I think you know as we get older, we we do lose people along the way, don't we? And um, absolutely. Um, and I like the way you know you see that you're always looking for the blessing in it. You know oh. what, what what have we learn from it but also what i you know you say you, you took time out to kind of mourn you know you said in ireland they take a Did. year so i so i i guess what this is um what you're recognizing is that there is a need for a healing period when you've had you know shock like this uh, and you're you're processing it it all 
Um, but that power of reframing and reframing every day is a really important one. Um, As human beings, we're like phoenixes. We have seasons in our lives, mm. you know, and I'm, I mean, I'm just after, you know, after a year and three quarters or whatever of, of, of letting Paul go, I carry him in my heart, you know, um, I'm now beginning to re-emerge out into the business world. It's almost like the harvest of my life in a whole new way. And, and you see, with, it's a hard thing to say, but with the grief and with everything that is the obstacles, the grief, the fear, um, with it has come an innate wisdom. It's like uh, the Celtic Cree. And Celtic Cree is heart. It's almost like from having my own heart burst open, like that I didn't think it could be even broken again after 2018 when I lost six people in my life. Three were very close family members, you know, and, and three very good friends. But then I had no idea to the shattering because, you see, when you allow yourself to love deeply, you will grieve deeply. Mm. And, and from that, we be, becomes the wholeness of us as a human being. You know, and uh, that's because right now, even, even my writing's deeper. Everything's deeper in life. It's, it's, um, it's deeper and I think it's more grounded. And it's important today that you keep your feet firmly rooted in the ground in business and in life. So in business, my question is, Margaret Heffernan wrote the great book, Willful Blindness. It's saying, right, come on, where are you willfully blind right now? Yeah. Because we can all fall into willful blindness. Yeah. And that's where the discipline for me, sorry, comes every day. I start the discipline in the morning, but what's really important is the discipline at the end of the day as well. Where did I fall asleep today? And not to be too hard on myself, because we all fall asleep now and again. Where didn't, you know, what have I done well? How could I do better? But you see, that then goes back to the very first questions you asked me. That keeps the wonder and the curiosity alive. Yeah. But what's coming up for me now, in this in this conversation that you're really reminding me of is is the ability to ask beautiful questions you know question, questions that are, are are deep that require a, a lot of thinking about uh and um and heart to yes. to, to do to deal to deal with and and i kind of wonder you know in your life uh with your with your deep wisdom these questions and that ability to be able to ask them and the ability to reframe to see the, you know, the bliss and the, the, the positivity in, in things seems to be, you know, with that curiosity seems to be kind of at the, at the core of, if you keep asking those questions, it, it's as though you get, you get deeper. Absolutely. And it takes you on the new pathways that you need to go. It takes you almost on a mystical journey, a mystical business journey. You know, you know, my my, I can I can tell people if they're looking for stuff on business. I've always lived by the business plan on page, and that's three questions, and that's you know, 
Um, get your team, sit down with your team, do it individually or with your team. And the first question, question um, I do this every quarter. It's over here even my office right now. Uh, the first question is, what do we know for sure? Yeah. So what do you know for sure? That's going to happen in the next quarter, and 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 make sure with your team it's always quite positive. Well, you know, well we know for sure we've got um, a new client here. We know for sure we're we're uh, the business is moving into Croatia. It can be whatever. What we know for sure, and then the second question is, um, what are we currently focusing on? Yeah, this is the most important question, and um, I learned these three questions from Michael Logier, by the way. Who's, who's a personal friend. And, and what we're currently focusing on is so important because you never put more than three to six things in there per quarter for you and your team. Yeah. Otherwise, it's too much. And then the last is called room for more. And room for more are all them great ideas that we get in the business. Oh, maybe we should be doing this. Maybe we should be doing that. Great. Park them in room for more. Right. So either use a whiteboard or either use a a, a, um, a flip chart board with with uh, post-it notes, and then you move the post-it notes because if you and you can go you can go off on holidays, you come back and you go well, what we're we currently focusing on? Oh yeah, that's what I'm currently focusing on. And then as you get yourself or your team together, you say to the team, okay, all right, we've achieved that. Okay, well that goes up then up to the first question, what we know for sure. And it becomes a living vision storyboard. It's mm. so powerful. I've taught this in business for years. It's so powerful. Three questions, so powerful. Mm. I can see those being very helpful because uh, I think what, what often happens, it's so it, everything gets thrown in to be done now, doesn't it? And the, and the, and there's no often no sequencing of things, and that causes huge amounts of stress. Absolutely. And procrastination. Yeah. And then we don't do anything because we become numbed out. Yeah. And then what do we do? We're hard on ourselves and then we make and then we make excuses. Yeah. And what we forget, the big thing about the whole book of Make Change is not excuses going back to there is what we forget as a human being is that yesterday ended last night. But how many people listening into this call right now is carrying yesterday with them, carrying mm. last year with them, three years with them? Let it go. It's ended. It's over. Yeah. Or well, maybe spending too much time in the future as well, perhaps. and not Absolutely. And not enough time in the now. What can I do with the now? Yeah. Hey, I've just noticed we've got a couple of minutes for I need to wrap up. Um, wow, that was quick. <laughs> so, so who, who do you love to help, Molly? Who are your ideal clients? And then I'd love a, a final message from you. Yeah, I think my ideal clients are medium to large organizations, banking and housing associations I've done a lot with. And how do I help them? I suppose I help them through question because I seem to be using a lot of questions. It's all around question. And yeah. I think... I don't know. Uh, it was a client said to me once, you have a way of making the complicated simple. Yeah. And actually asking in a question about the elephant in the middle of the room. That's what I do. Mm. But nobody, everybody dances around. Mm. You, also bring a, you also bring a sense of calmness. Thank you. <laughs> bringing that into a situation where everybody's feeling 
fraught and stressed and you come in and you create this calm calm deep space yeah and that's in our presence that's in the essence of our presence and i'd say to people my words would be be the presence you came here to be yeah be that presence you know don't talk about it be it be it people will read it in your presence Mm. Well, Molly, it's been an amazing conversation. I just loved, uh, I feel in a deeply meditative state listening to you now. <laughs> Thank and you. Your, your calmness <laughs> and your depth and your your beautiful your beautiful questions, which are very, you know, very powerful. I encourage people to go back actually and have a listen, listen to this, because there's a lot of depth in this. I think there's, within this interview, there is a lot that could change your life and your business. Um, and you may not get it all on a first listen, or maybe even on a, a second, third, or fourth. So, you know, do let us know what you you felt about this interview today, uh, and yeah, just just get curious and find that um, find that quiet space and um, be mindful of your stories. Uh, don't add to all the clutter and the stress, uh, and because uh, you just build yourself up and everybody else, and you infect everybody else. Um, so do um, yeah, do do uh, do take care and. Do really think about, you know, what does your mind want to achieve? What does your heart and soul want to achieve? And what does your higher calling want to achieve in terms of answering that, so the changes that you might want to make and just be mindful that we don't need excuses. Just take those little steps, I think, I'm taking out of this interview. Um, you know, to f- lean into the things that you fear one step at a time. So, Molly, I hope you've enjoyed the interview today. It's been been brilliant. Thank you so much. It's been an honor to work with you. Thank you. Uh, and if you want to find out more about Molly Harvey, do go to you can go to mollyharvey.com or harveyglobal.com. That's harveyglobal.com. Uh, and do you know I do love to hear from people. Um I do I do care. It's it's always great when you get a little note and people have said they've enjoyed the interview. Um if you've got any thoughts or ideas of, of subjects and areas that you want to cover, you know, this is for us this show. You know, I do this. It's, it's my way of, way of kind of philanthropically helping to contribute to a better world. And that's what we need to do together. We need to, good people need to stick together, collaborate and connect. Uh, and uh, we need to move this world into a, a new trajectory because uh, a lot of old ways need to change. And the, and the good news, we're seeing a lot of friction right now out there. It feels like a lot of tension, but change happens on those edges. So, um, you know, looking back in, um, you know, in a few years time, hopefully we will, see some of the benefits of that uh, that change as so hopefully we move from a winter of discontent back into the spring again so i'll leave you on that note uh, and uh, do take care, care all and once again molly harvey been lovely to talk to you today thank you thank you we thank you for listening to the chris cooper business elevation show Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.